Hello, and welcome back to the Isakos podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lyman, recording in Japan, and I'm here with Dr. Volker Musal and Dr. Al Getgood, who are calling in from the US and Canada, respectively. And we are here today to talk about the Isakos Research Grants Program, give you a little bit of background about what the program is and uh, how it can help you with your research activities if you're interested in becoming an academic researcher. Gentlemen, how are you this, uh, I guess, morning, evening, afternoon? Great. Thanks, Steve. I'm good. Great. Thanks, Steve. Looking forward to this. All right. Good. Well, thank you very much for joining. And uh, obviously, coordinating across time zones can be a challenge, but we finally got together. And hopefully, this will be an interesting session for folks. So I guess to set some context, the Issacos Research Grant Program started in 2012. Dr. Volker Musal was actually the first recipient. And we now have four different research programs in the current funding cycle. One is for a new researcher, which uh, up to four awards will be granted uh, for eligible applications with scientific merit. Uh, one for up to 25,000 US dollars and three others for up to $10,000 each. Uh, and this is open to new researchers. So people who have not necessarily done extramurally funded research before, uh, who really are early in their career and are trying to get their uh, research started. And we'll talk a little bit more about these programs, I think. And then we have a translational research project, which again has four possible grants uh, available, one for 20,000 and three others for up to 10. And this is in translational research is really when you're moving from uh, one phase of research to the next. So the classic paradigm is bench to bedside, but it can be any step along those that, that way, I, I believe. And then we also have a clinical outcomes research grant, uh, which is a little bit more funding. That's up to $50,000. There's only one grant available. And this is when you're a little bit further along. This is when you're really getting to the point where you're going to do a high quality uh, prospective clinical research project. And then finally, I think quite interestingly, we have uh, two grants available for countries with limited resources. So this is an effort to start to develop uh, Isakos orthopedic researchers uh, globally in potentially in countries that wouldn't necessarily have access to these kinds of research dollars. Uh, and just for how we define limited resources, it's based on the World Health Organization definition. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's, I guess, an overview of the four different grant programs that we have. So now let's turn to Dr. Musal, who can talk to us a little bit about his experience as the first recipient of an Issacos Research Grant. And he subsequent, subsequently became the chairman of the Issacos Scientific Committee, which helped develop some of these other research programs. Thank you, Steve. So uh, yes, it's, it's a great honor that uh, I'm invited to speak in this podcast. And uh, I've had a great um, story with this, of course, and uh, lots of fun and, and great memories. And obviously, we were lucky to receive that first grant, which really originated at the annual, at the biannual meeting in uh, Rio in 2011. The ideas came together, the people met, and then we applied for this grant that uh, was written out for 2012. And there was a multi-center study between the uh, Salgrenska Academy in Gothenburg, Sweden, and Rizzoli Institute in Bologna, Italy, and Kobe University in Japan. 
uh, and us in Pittsburgh. And so we had a nice multi-center study that uh, we did for four years, published uh, more than 20 uh, articles out of this, all thanks to ISACOS really. Uh, and maybe most importantly, uh, had a, a big book published and actually really most importantly, it started many of our young researchers careers at that time. So we're really thankful and grateful uh, to Isikos for this. Now, did this uh, grant that you received from Isikos, was this essentially the starting point and then you were able to successfully apply for additional funding? Is, is that how you're able to be so successful and so productive out of this? Yes, uh, we, we all sort of started our careers uh, that way. Um, and then we had maybe uh, similar projects that then ended up being uh, uh, completed later, where this Isakos grant served a little bit as a pilot project. Now, at that same time, uh, I was uh, starting to be on the scientific committee with Isakos, and then later became uh, and started serving as the chair for the next four years. And during that time, we developed really, a, I would say, an unbelievable program that I'm so proud of that I was uh, part of that, and it's still a good program today which is uh, um, a mentorship program for uh, researchers and doctors from uh, institutions with maybe limited resources. And in that program, we invite uh, applicants to come to the biennial meeting. Uh, we select the best five to present uh, their uh, approach, their, their knowledge gap, maybe their vision. Uh, and then two of those uh, um, get awarded a mentorship uh, where they can choose uh, from a mentor within Isakos. Um, and so that has jump-started careers and, and even more, I would say, bridges and Isakos is global. And so it has really created this global community and, and I love that about Isakos. Great, that's right. That I didn't mention that program, but young and young uh, Isakos members can actually have their travel supported to come to the to the Congress to meet yes. and, and get to know uh, some of the uh, established researchers, uh, clinician scientists uh, that are ISACOS members. Now, I guess a question for you, is it common for a grant recipient to subsequently become part of the scientific committee? Has that happened with other uh, grant recipients? No, I mean, I, I think that happened just uh, serendipitously for me. Um, but yes, I would say the scientific committee at Isakos is one of the most vibrant committees and it really is colorful and multicultural and we have people from all continents on that committee and it's a blast. So I would urge all of you that are listening to this podcast apply to become a member of that uh, committee. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> I would agree with you. I've now been the member of three different ISACOS committees, I guess four if you count the uh, previous programming committee, and it's really uh, one of the most enjoyable parts of my academic career has been serving on ISACOS committees and getting to know, uh, really learning to collaborate internationally, right? Everyone brings different perspectives culturally and geographically, and it's really been uh, eye-opening for me to have these interactions and, and develop these concepts and these ideas and everybody just brings a little bit different perspective, which uh, has been quite a rewarding part of, of ISACOS. So great. Well, thank you very much for that overview. And uh, Dr. Getgood, you have also received an ISACOS grant and you've leveraged that into quite a portfolio of, of research. Uh, perhaps if you could let us know 
let's start with your original Isakos funding and what that project was and then what that subsequently led to. Sure. Uh, thanks, Stephen. You know, thanks for the invitation to, uh, to join you guys tonight. Um, you know, I truly am indebted to the support from Isakos that, you know, really started um, our research program, my individual research program. And, um, and, you know, we've been able to flourish as a, re as a result of that initial funding. And, you know, there, there's, it's, it's not uncommon to hear there's often a little bit of luck involved. And certainly uh, there was definitely some luck involved with this story in that um, when, I, uh, when I first applied for an ISACOS research grant, it was 2012, 2013. So going to the 2000 me 2013 meeting in Toronto, and it was just before that time that there was a, a very controversial article that had been published on the anterolateral ligament of the knee. And round about that time, um, we were doing some of our own research in that area. And we thought it'd be a, a great idea to uh, do a, a randomized clinical trial. And, um, and so then the ISACOS grant came up um, with the opportunity specifically looking for multi-center, multi-continent randomized clinical trials. Um, and so the stars aligned, we were able to apply for that grant. Um, and what that really made us, we had to do is that we put a research group together. And so we put nine centers together of all like-minded like -minded individuals, clinicians, uh, scientists, uh, throughout seven centers in Canada and two centers in Europe. Um, and we came up with the idea of doing a randomized study looking at ACL reconstruction with or without the combination of a lateral extra-articular tenodesis in young patients at high risk of, of graft failure. And uh, we started, um, we got, so that at that time, the grant funding was for about $100,000. And we started the study at that time. We were, our aim was to recruit 600 patients, uh, which was really quite a, a large number. And, and certainly a lot of people thought we wouldn't be able to do it. Um, and certainly for me, it was very ambitious, um, but we had a great team of people uh, behind it. And uh, we started recruitment in 2014 and finished recruitment in 2017. Um, I was able to present um, some uh, early results of that paper looking at functional outcomes at the 2017 meeting. And I was very fortunate that this, of course, awarded us, you know, the group, um, to get my name on it, but really it's a group effort, it's a big team. We got the Albert Trillat um, Young Investigator Award. And then we carried on working through the, the, the following two years until we got, uh, we actually then presented the primary outcome. So at the 2019 meeting, um, and at that stage, um, we, um, we were awarded the Young Gilchrist Award um, and then subsequently published the papers in 2020. So we've now had a number of publications from that particular study and they, those papers continue to be published with a lot of effort, a lot of work from the group. Um, and uh, we were awarded a number of awards, including the Donahue Award uh, from uh, AOSSM. So it's been a huge success from the point of view of academic productivity. Um, but what it's also done is it's provided us with a track record. It's provided us with a huge amount of information. I think, you know, it's been it has been very influential in, um, in, in practice and how we actually treat young, young, AC, young patients with ACL injury. And, you know, there's a greater emphasis now being placed on the anterolateral structures. I'm very proud of the work that the group has been able to do to achieve that. But, you know, we, it has 
involves us then thinking of other research questions. And it's kind of interesting because it comes full circle that then I ended up uh, collaborating with Volker and we've developed a second study. So the first study was called Stability and the second study Stability 2. And myself and Diane Bryant, who's one of my colleagues here at the University of Western Ontario, uh, we got funding from the Canadian Institute of Health Research. Uh, and then with the two of us, we collaborated with, with Volker as well as Jay Ergang at the University of Pittsburgh and got the original stability group together, but added on, we've now since added on another 20 sites. We now have developed and uh, developed a 26 site randomized clinical trial looking at uh, quad tendon and patella tendon in the same patient population as stability one with or without the, the addition of lateral tenodesis. And we also got NIH funding. So what that has really is taken is if, if you like, we liken the, the idea of, of the ISACOS funding as being really seed funding, building up a research track record, um, and then being able to apply for these bigger grant awards from uh, government funding bodies and turn that into a uh, $5.2 million. And we couldn't do these studies without that seed funding. Um, and we're incredibly grateful for that first for us to give us that opportunity. And it's created this uh, great research journey that uh, continues. And uh, certainly the study will, we're gonna be recruiting 1200 patients. I think we're about 160 patients in. And so I'm gonna be consider considerably grayer by the time I get this one finished. But um, hopefully the, the productivity that we get from that um, will result in some more um, practice changing papers. That's really incredible how you've made, managed to, with your group, move that from, from the ISACOS funding stage to, to essentially international extramural funding from government agencies. Really, really outstanding. Well, that's certainly really impressive, the amount of uh, success you've been able to have as a research group through that initial ISACOS funding, leveraging that into basically international uh, government funding. Now, I guess a question for maybe both of you, but let's start with you, Dr. Getgood. What, what did it take to get that initial grant application prepared, get your team together and get and make that application originally to ISACOS? What was that process like? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the most important thing is, is having a good clinical question. You know, if you've got a good question that you can try and answer, um, that's the first, the first step. Um, you know, I, you know, I am very fortunate that I've got a lot of great colleagues here in London. And so, you know, the next step after that is particularly at this, if you're at the early stage of your career is to ask for help. And so collaborate, collaborators, mentors, people who have maybe gone through the similar process before um and and don't be afraid to say that you don't know things right you don't you're not expected to know absolutely everything you you may have the the clinical expertise and, and just have a, an interest in wanting to research something but may not just have the sort of the methodological background which is absolutely fine that's why you go out and you find those people that can help you but what you do bring to the table are relevant clinical questions that, that maybe those people don't know about in your area and your field of expertise. So I think that's the most important thing. And then, and then you know, then you put that that that, that those concepts together. Uh, you can have help with someone to help you write write a grant. Um, and then, of course, in identifying you know uh, the, the potential funding agency, um, and of course, you know, applying for hopefully an ESSO cost grant. 
Um, and, you know, it, it, you got to look at the feasibility, of course. And, you know, so it really depends on this, the question. So it always goes back to that first question, you know, what size of study are you trying to do? Um, and look at the feasibility of that and then look at the funding envelope. And it may be that you may only have funding for a small number of cases, a pilot study, again, just to get early data, to get proof of concept, to then take it to the next level and take it to another uh, granting agency. But I think it was, that would be the, the first thing for me. And the most important step for me was having good collaborators, a great team and asking for help when needed. That, that's, uh, I think, probably very helpful for some of our younger uh, members who are considering applying for this. And even within Issacos, you could start with the Young Investigator Award, which is limited funds, and then move to the Clinical Research Award as a second funding level. So maybe get, use the Young Investigator Award as your pilot study, and then you could do something a little bit more definitive uh, with the with the the next uh, funding, uh, the research funding available, the, the Clinical Research Grant. But even from that, if you then want to take it to truly definitive, if you want to go to a multi-center international randomized controlled trial or something similar, you're going to need uh, much, much more funding. And I guess that's really a commitment, right, from the investigators to, to stay the course and continue to apply for that kind of funding. Uh, do you have any, uh, I don't know if it's words of caution or encouragement for ISACOS members who might be considered considering uh, taking this leap and, and beginning an academic research career? Maybe I can add to this. I think. Oh sure. But um, what Al Getgood mentioned, I all I agree with everything. And you may have a fantastic idea. You need to learn how to put it on paper. And um, there's no such thing as failure when it comes to writing a grant. So just try, uh, put it out there. And if you can, you have somebody review your grant proposal before you submit it. And that's where your mentor comes in. So the very first and most important thing I would say about your success and your career path is you have to have a mentor and a support system that will allow you to go through with this. Because when you eventually get funded, you should not be sitting there saying, oh, wow, now what? Right? You need to be all ready to go. And it will take uh, an enormous amount of work uh, if you get something done like the stability study that Gadgood mentioned. I mean, that is, there are multiple people involved in studies like this that are full-time, 100% of their time engaged in a study like that. The internal governance systems and external systems, there are uh, phone calls weekly. Um, there are answers uh, you have to provide to uh, data safety board and so forth. You, uh, you know, create a manual of operations and procedures that's probably two or 300 pages long. Um, so you need to have a support system and a mentor. I think that's, that's really uh, super important. That, that's an excellent comment, Dr. Musal. The, uh, fortunately, ISACOS does have the clinical research handbook, right, which I think can help people with some of the challenges of getting these prepared, but you're absolutely right. Mentorship is critical. Uh, and then obviously having the correct team together and all the processes in place to be successful in achieving uh, these, these projects, because applying for it is one thing, getting the grant is another thing, but then actually successfully delivering the promised results uh, is really what's most important. 
right? It's difficult to get additional yes. funding if you're not successful with your previous funding. Uh, Stephen, yes, Stephen, I'm I'm glad you mentioned the research handbook. Um, that is work that you and Al and and all of us collaborated on. This is a project that came through the scientific committee of Isakos, and you should all get your hands on that book. Um, it's even translated in Mandarin. Um, but that book, you know, has really every chapter is meant to guide the young researcher through the process of how to write a grant, and how to apply and so forth. So um, it's called the Research Handbook for Orthopedic Surgeons. Um, it's a great resource. Thanks for mentioning it. Absolutely. No, that's that's been a, a very helpful guide. And I've, I've recommended it to many uh, young orthopedic surgeons as as they've been starting their careers as as a helpful tool. I'll often have uh, with the uh, residents or orthopedic fellows that I mentor from a research perspective, they'll ask me, what can I do to learn? Because young surgeons are motivated, eager to, to be successful at whatever they decide to do. And I will often suggest that they pick up a copy of that book to, to help lay the foundation of the research methodology that they can use throughout their career. Great, well, I guess the, the last question really is, now that you're both established clinical investigators, what kind of commitment does that require from you as a surgeon? You obviously are very busy clinically. You have other responsibilities and leadership in your in your universities. But what what does that dedication look like for people who are thinking about uh, going down this path? It takes a lot of effort. It takes, um, you know, I think for my personal job, I'm listed as twenty percent of my time is dedicated to these studies. But, you know, if you add up all the times, you never end up at 100%, you end up way more than that. So I would say it's a lot of commitment, but it's so much in return. It is so much joy and pride in this research and working with all the good people uh, together. So um, there are absolutely no regrets and I would do it over and over again. It's uh, absolutely fantastic. It's a great process to be part of. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely second that. I mean, it's a huge amount of work. Um, and so you've got to be very passionate about it. Um, you, you do need to be, I think, you know, I think it's, I don't want, I, I don't want this, particularly the young investigators or, or investigators from maybe um, from parts of the world that maybe don't have the same support that Volker and I might have to be discouraged in doing research. I just think it's important that you, um, understand the scope of research that you may be able to achieve depending on the resources that you have to have and that's not just that's not just funding but that's also human resources costs oh, sorry um equipment um uh, you know your, your patient population if you have enough patients to be able to even operate on so all of these things go hand in hand and so it just may mean that you can still have a very re successful research career you just may have to do it on a lower scale and a lower budget, which is fine because you can still provide an awful lot of information for the orthopedic community. Um, I think what what we've been able to do as a group, being able to leverage this cost funding and being able to, um, you know, in, in, increase the size of our group and with with the number of like-minded clinician researchers, scientists, um, research assistants, and multiple people. Um, is that we, oh, there's a thirst for for knowledge and and, and we're really interested interested in, in in working hard to try and learn more and for me personally 
you know, I, I love orthopedics. I love knee surgery and, you know, I love operating. I love being in the OR, but, you know, I think if I was doing just surgery and doing the same operation every day for the next 20 years, I'd probably get a little bored. And so I like the, 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 the challenge of trying to improve our outcomes and trying to do things a little bit more and do things a little bit better. And that's what I love about research. And I think this gives us the opportunity to do that, but it is a, it's a big, it's a big task, but you can't do it on your own. And, you know, I, I've said this many times in this podcast, I'm sure, but it is all about the team. And, you know, we're very, both of us are very, very lucky to have a great team of people working with us. Absolutely. I, I Following on, I think you made two really uh, key points that I'd like to, to make a comment on. One is that the being able to do this research really gives you variety in your day. It really you're not just doing the same operation or seeing the same clinical problems over and over again. You've got some other stimulation, other things to keep your mind active and keep you interested and keep you motivated in what you're doing. And I think that's been my, really the joy of my career is I'm always working on a new project. I've got so many different research uh, collaborators uh, as a clinical scientist in this area that every day is different. I never feel like I'm doing the same thing. And that really has kept me motivated for throughout my career is having that that variety of thought and challenges and 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 things to to think about and and consider so that's a that's a really interesting point i hadn't thought about that necessarily from the orthopedic surgeon perspective before but it makes a lot of sense and the other thing you had mentioned you didn't want to discourage uh young investigators or investigators from potentially research research uh sorry resource poor countries but I actually think that the, that's one of the, the great things about Isikos, which we had actually mentioned earlier, is the diversity of ideas, the diversity of experiences, uh, the cultural differences and everything else. That's really the richness of the organization in a way. And I know having moved to Japan, practice patterns differ, right? The high tib tibial osteotomy is used much more in Japan than it is in America. And so Japanese surgeons, for example, would be really well equipped to do a study looking at uh, HTO, where perhaps it would be difficult to recruit those patients into uh, an American cohort. And I'm sure that there are other differences in practice patterns around the globe. So think about your local community and what your local practice patterns are and how you can contribute information that maybe isn't possible in, in Europe or in the US or in some of the uh, higher resource countries. So that may be a way for you to find that research question that's so critical uh, to help co contribute to the orthopedic community globally. Any, any final thoughts, gentlemen? Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, a wise man once said, you know, you, you begin with the end in mind. So, you know, you have, you have a straightforward plan. Um, everything kind of goes your way, but then in the end, the end of your project usually is the beginning of many more projects. And that's what's so much fun. And being part of this big Isakos community will enable you to be totally globally present, aware of what's going on in all the different countries um, and helping each other out. That's, that's really what, what, you know, in the end is, is, is all, what it's all about. Thank you. Yeah. Dr. Um, get good, we'll give you the last word. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, the, the community of people that you get to work with is, is just remarkable. And, uh, you know, I think back to stability one, you know, I was, I was having to um, beg some of my colleagues to really get on the, on board with this study and convince them this was the right thing to do. 
and now going into the next study, you know, it's been much easier to get people on board. They want to be part of a successful uh, research endeavor. And that is just exciting. You know, it, it really is exciting. And I look forward to whenever it will be that we'll finally be able to publish results of that study. And I'm sure by that stage, we'll have come up with uh, our stability three. No, no pressure, Volker. <laughs> right. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you both so much for joining us here on the Isakos podcast. Uh, we really uh, appreciate your insights and you sharing your experiences. And we wish you well with all of your future research, uh, Instability 3 and beyond. Uh, of course, hope Instability 2 goes well uh, in the meantime. And uh, to all of you listening, thank you very much for uh, joining us and listening in on the Isakos podcast. And we'll be back in your podcast feed soon with another episode. Take care. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. That was great.